Hello, this is Wasabi Boat Research, and today I'm really excited to be talking with Alex, the entrepreneur. And I came across you because uh, we're both uh, contributors at Badger, and I saw that earlier this summer you were leading an event um, that Badger was doing with ETH Global that was basically taking people through the process of writing strategies to do uh, WBTC or Bitcoin, other Bitcoin assets, doing uh, farming strategies. And those would kind of eventually feed into the some of the Badger products or some of the uh, Badger Yearn collaboration vaults. There's currently a Badger uh, Yearn WBTC vault. And this is the core of Badger, what Badger is doing, and something that I'm really interested in. So the idea is that you know users can put in WBTC and Badger and Yearn work together to find the best strategies for earning yield on that across DeFi and put it together in a automated product so that whenever there's a new yield strategy that comes up somewhere in DeFi, someone like Alex, a strategist, would write Solidity code that basically automates doing the yield farming and then passes the yield onto the users. and so this is you know a super interesting idea in DeFi, and a lot of different people are doing it but i didn't see a lot of people who have the same passion for teaching and sharing the knowledge as alex did so that's like one of the things that that really caught my eye um when i saw the stuff that you were doing so whenever i see someone who's uh doing something interesting in DeFi and is good at uh, teaching it i try to get them on and uh, extract everything into a conversation and, and publish it so more people can learn and, and get into this stuff. So uh, thanks so much for, for talking with me today. Uh, thank you for having me. So it's a pleasure. So um, I, I noticed that you have a, a YouTube channel and that's been up for a long time and you're talking about uh, general programming topics and, and doing, doing tutorials, but then recently you switched into DeFi and doing a lot of uh, Solidity code reviews and stuff. So what was it that triggered the switch to DeFi for you and got you interested in it? Yeah, I really appreciate the question. So uh, to give a context uh, to the listeners, I've been uh, working remotely for almost 10 years now and uh, mostly as a freelancer or as a consultant and uh, slowly uh, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, actually, you know, owning my own business and just doing consulting as like a, mostly a hobby, just like teaching is more, more of a thing that I'm passionate about. And uh, um, um, mostly as a way to um, capitalize on the um, uh, various topics that I was consulting on, I started the YouTube channel um, as a way to basically recap the things that I was teaching uh, and uh, with the hopes of uh, uh, ideally getting some uh, additional clients, some, some extra opportunities from it. Um, and uh, uh, the reason why I did switch was that uh, uh, I, I was teaching uh, basically full stack JavaScript, uh, some TypeScript, some front end, some back end, uh, that kind of stuff, basically making websites. And uh, um, I'd say that at, at the beginning of uh, uh, 2021, it was clear to me that uh, um, uh, the, the Ethereum was going to be a massive opportunity. And uh, I was uh, very lucky to see that uh, through various hackathons, bounties, security uh, bounties as well, uh, there was basically the opportunity to be paid very well uh, to learn these uh, topics. You were, you're literally, like as a student, you, uh, it's very rare. Typically, you have to pay to learn. 
but in this space, you actually get paid to learn and you get rewarded very uh, favorably. So I decided to just uh, uh, stop uh, uh, coding front end, stop coding JavaScript and just uh, commit fully to uh, becoming a Solidity developer and uh, uh, basically participated in hackathons and then started as much as I could to uh, uh, to make the, the switch completely. And you can see that in my YouTube uh, publishing history where basically I stopped uh, making videos because uh, of the opportunity cost of, you know, Maybe today I could have uh, written a new um, full stack JavaScript course uh, and that could, it could have helped a lot of people. Probably would have been, uh, you know, uh, I could have had more, uh, uh, I guess, more uh, uh, spread. It could have been seen by more many people. Uh, but I thought that going deeper in the rabbit hole of uh, Ethereum would have been a bigger opportunity and it would have been uh, also just a more interesting uh, job. Cool. And, you know, the, the Ethereum universe is so huge. You have, you know, lending and DeFi and uh, NFTs. So what, what was it that landed you into the sort of uh, yield farming aggregation and, and led you to Badger within DeFi? That's a, that's a great question. So um, I basically um, started working, uh, uh, or at least I, got, I, I knew about Ethereum in 2017 before the uh, crazy bull run it was going to have. And uh, uh, after the, you know, when the, when the bear market came, I basically uh, stopped uh, looking into the topics and I just uh, uh, used Ethereum uh, basically to pay for traveling. And I remember being in Costa Rica in 2019 uh, with my credit cards being blocked and basically buying uh, uh, food, uh, uh, buying Uber food for uh, through Uber Eats via Ethereum, I think through a, like a coupon website or something like that. But that was my level wow. of knowledge back then. And then what happened was, uh, you know, Yearn happened. And so I uh, basically started uh, uh, noticing. And then Clubhouse happened as well, which uh, uh, really made it easy to listen in on some of the thought leaders in the space, such as, uh, you know, Robert Leshner, uh, Kane, uh, Andrew Cronje, Oex Maki, uh, and uh, uh, Chris, uh, who actually hosted one of those uh, talks as well, which is probably how I first uh, started uh, 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 learning about Badger as well. And so um, I, I basically found that... Uh, by, by just being, uh, uh, I guess, by listening and by going on Twitter, you know, and stalking the right people, uh, you could uh, uh, learn a lot of stuff. And so that's how I got uh, fascinated with the idea of yield farming, which is fundamentally the idea of uh, risk-free profits. That's basically what it is. You, you find such an imbalance in the market that uh, you fundamentally, or I guess it's an arbitrage, but fundamentally... It's such an imbalance where you have no risk or at least you have only counterparty risk because, you know, the, the other protocol can rug you. Uh, but basically you're making uh, these free free funds and getting your free interest on your uh, on your uh, money, on your on your tokens, uh, which I thought is fascinating. And it kind of spiraled down into uh, doing uh, security contests, into doing hackathons. And uh, fundamentally, it's a, a, a very highly stimulating uh, job. And so I just, uh, you know, I just can't stop. It's so interesting. And it just keeps uh, uh, becoming more interesting with time. So um, let's let's uh, go into a little bit more. So the product that I kind of associate, I think you've probably worked on a lot of different things, but the one that I, I think about with you most is the WBTC vault at Badger. So the idea with that is wrapped BTC is a 
fully backed form of Bitcoin that lives on Ethereum. So for every Bitcoin that you send to this, they um, have that in storage that's backing this Ethereum ERC20 token, which represents Bitcoin. And the idea is that you submit that to the urine vault or to the Badger vault, and that vault executes a series of yield farming strategies to earn these risk-free or low-risk uh, returns on the assets. And then the protocols take a fee in exchange for that, which some goes to the protocol and some goes to the strategist that developed the strategy. Um, so right now I'm looking at the Badger app and it's telling me that uh, for every uh, WBTC that I deposit, I can earn a return of between uh, three and a quarter to about 10 and a quarter percent APY on that. So let's, can you just give like a high level overview of where where does that yield come from? What's happening under the hood to generate that yield for the user? Yeah, I, I love this question. And uh, to fully answer this question and to appreciate uh, what happened, uh, we basically, uh, I'd love to cover uh, kind of the history of DeFi, quote unquote, or, you know, the, the latest part of it. And fundamentally, that was uh, kickstarted um, a little over a year ago by uh, the Compound Protocol, uh, when you, you can check the, their white paper. And fundamentally, the Compound Protocol is a lending protocol that uh, uh, it allows you to deposit your asset, let's say WBTC, it allows you to deposit that. And uh, because you deposited that, it will pay you back with more WBTC, uh, um, uh, which is accrued by lending some WBTC back. So you put some WBTC, somebody else borrows it, and you can imagine that the reason why they're borrowing it is either because they want to have some leverage or because they want to go short. Those are the typical two use cases for borrowing. And uh, through the interest that they pay back to the protocol, which is paid back in the same token, it's paid back in WBTC, then you can uh, basically earn a, a cut of those uh, protocol fees. At the same time, to incentivize liquidity, uh, Compound introduced the idea of a liquidity mining program which means that they're gonna create a governance token, which is a token that allows you to govern or control the protocol through voting. And uh, that token uh, can also be uh, exchanged on various exchanges such as Uniswap. So fundamentally the combination of uh, Uniswap, a permissionless uh, decentralized exchange that allows anybody to list any token and swap it for whatever they want through the uh, X times Y equals K um, formula, Plus the addition of the liquidity mining program, which means that we're gonna give you, you know, free tokens, quote unquote, free tokens for using our protocol. And uh, those those tokens, you can view them more like uh, uh, ice cream coupons. You can basically redeem some ice cream uh, for a limited amount of time. In the case of Compound, about three years of uh, emissions, and uh, that basically um, allows you, if you if you if you're keen on uh, this idea of arbitrage or uh, or if you play poker, because uh, a lot of poker players uh, have this idea of expected value. And fundamentally, if you see this, this, uh, this com the compound opportunity, you could have seen that uh, by uh, depositing some tokens, you're going to get back some of their compound token. And then by borrowing uh, some, uh, some WBTC, you will actually get back, uh, get back some compound token as well. And fundamentally, that introduces the idea of uh, leverage farming, which is the idea that you're going to deposit and borrow and then deposit and borrow, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to uh, be paid back in the governance token, 
literally you're just stacking coupons just like you would stack uh, credit card discounts by going through the entire loop of uh, and it's something that actually happened in the real world you can you, you used to be able to uh, take credit cards use them uh, for their, uh, their 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 rewards and then use the credit card to buy uh, prepaid cards for let's say $500 at Target and then basically you get back your $500 but you also get back some cash back from the initial credit card company and fundamentally by doing that you can get literally free money uh, and that's uh, uh, the equivalent here it's not free money it's free governance tokens which uh, again you can view them mostly as coupon and so once compound did that uh, everybody else did you know you have uh, idol.finance uh, yam.finance harvest.finance uh, basically uh, that was what kick-started DeFi summer and uh, in, in, in a way the the champion of DeFi summer was uh, yearn which fundamentally uh, used uh, so these strategies uh, as a, a way to produce uh, returns uh, on stable coins and um, a various um, amount of assets. So once once you understand that and you can see the history, um, uh, you can see that uh, we are basically at, uh, I would argue, the third or fourth generation of these types of farms that uh, basically use emissions as a way to kickstart initial liquidity. And uh, it has been interesting to see how some of these farms uh, that have uh, uh, you know no underlying value, quote unquote, no underlying value, end up becoming you know the Ponzi farm, the one where you see you know 10,000 APY, and then the, the day after it goes to zero. And I, I bet you know you know some of these, uh, while some other that are more backed by uh, by 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 the technology or by uh, the the actual uh, usage uh, done by by real people. Uh, they end up uh, uh, becoming uh, completely sustainable and they end up uh, uh, fundamentally being uh, the, the few ones that are still here that you can still see and compound being one of them who is uh, so uh, well used that now they're also uh, releasing a, um, how do you say it, an institutional product, right? Where they're literally offering 4% fixed APY, uh, fixed APR to uh, institutions uh, because the protocol was so well kickstarted through liquidity mining. So if I if I had to summarize that into two buckets, if you know you asked where the yields in DeFi come from, so bucket A is lending. So I think someone that doesn't understand DeFi will get that. Like I lend out my tokens to you, and you want to use those to either short or leverage long in exchange for that. I charge you an interest rate, and you keep the interest rate. And then number two is this new DeFi idea, which is like you're starting up a protocol, you have created tokens that govern that protocol and you want to distribute those widely in the community so that they have value there's liquidity for them and they're they're um, decentralizing your protocol and in exchange for that uh, you're going to ask me to deposit some btc or some other asset into your smart contract and then you're distributing that governance token as a reward for kind of interacting with that protocol is that exactly. uh, those the two main buckets? Got it. I'd I'd say so, and uh, I would like to add that uh, uh, you know the the the, the governance protocol, uh, the the governance tokens are uh, basically uh, a new primitive or a new way to um, um, gather interest around causes, uh, and uh, we've seen that uh, being done for for social causes as well as for uh, DeFi for mostly financial uh, technology. And uh, so uh, uh, along with the uh, price that you can have, because again, you have the, um, uh, the, the Uniswap-like uh, 
way of swapping assets which anchors anything to anything else, right? Because as long as you have an if pool with whatever asset, uh, you basically your asset is liquid immediately. Uh, but the other side of it is the, the real governance, i.e. people engaging a community building around it and making decisions on the protocol, which end up uh, becoming a huge part of the uh, value that these uh, tokens have. So fundamentally, you see uh, with, uh, you know, just like how you would uh, look at Bitcoin, which is priced in, uh, or at least one of the fundamentals is the amount of people that use it uh, in the same way, the amount of people around the specific uh, protocol is a huge part of why the, the, the token is wanted in the first place. Got it. So now I want to take a second to kind of explain. So like the, the lending and the governance token farming, those are kind of like the two building blocks. And that was what was going on last summer. And in just a year, we've gotten kind of the next level of complexity. So um, something like the urine vault and the badger vault um, on top of that, what happens is you can say, you know, one of these things, you, you could call one of these things like, you know, deposit it here and to get interest. That's kind of one strategy for earning yield and depositing into somewhere else to get their governance token. That's another strategy. And the next level on top of that are these kind of multi-strategy vaults. Um, can you kind of introduce that? Where did that come from? And kind of give us an outline on how the multi-strategy vault builds on the kind of basic building blocks. Yeah, and I'd say that uh, um, uh, looking deeply at the, uh, for example, the WBTC uh, Yearn Vault uh, and the work we did uh, as Badger that we did together with Yearn on it, uh, uh, will uh, it, it really makes appreciate how early we are, because uh, uh, if you just look at the the sheer amount of WBTC, which I believe is uh, over ten billion dollars, uh, where the, 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 the total DeFi uh, value locked in uh, on DeFi postal list is uh, 80 billion, which means that it's one eighth of all tokens are WBTC in terms of uh, market cap. Uh, it makes you understand that uh, uh, in a way uh, we're very early in terms of uh, the even just the, the, the allocations that can be uh, handled by these protocols. And so uh, what, what does that mean? That means that uh, if you wake up one day and you see... Uh, a liquidity mining uh, protocol uh, or, in, or a set of incentives, uh, you're going to see an, a, a number. You're going to see an APR or an APY number. You can see that on Aave, Compound, etc. And so uh, when you look at that number, that what that number means, that number is the, do, uh, the uh, dollar converted uh, expected value of the emissions. And emissions is a specific keyword we're going to have to define. Emissions of the protocol tokens. So what that means is that if you put, let's say if you put one Bitcoin, one WBTC in on compound, you are expected to get back 10 comp token, just to make a simple example. And then what those 10 comp tokens right now are worth, let's say they're worth uh, $300 each. So you were gonna get back $3,000 in a year. So from the Mentally, from doing that kind of math, you can then uh, extrapolate an APR. However, since the emissions are capped, which means that there's only so many compound tokens that are going to be emitted in uh, over a year or over a month or over a specific uh, period of time, uh, that means that if you were to add too much WBTC, let's say you were to add 
a billion dollars in WBTC, then the emissions that uh, would normally uh, yield, uh, in this example, something like 5%, uh, they actually will end up, end up uh, uh, giving you a return that is way lower because, again, the emissions are capped while uh, the amount of uh, collateral that you can put in uh, can go to, to infinity in a way or it can go to, to a very high number. And so once you realize that, that there, the, the, in a way the, the, the plate is too small, there's not enough uh, uh, for everyone, then uh, the natural solution will be to have a uh, vault. Fundamentally, you will want to have multiple strategies for allocating your WBTC. Because if you have only one strat, there's only so much WBTC that it can accommodate. Well, if you have multiple strategies, you can have more WBTC. Yeah, so I guess to summarize what you said, the idea is that you know these liquidity uh, mining programs uh, where they distribute the governance tokens they can come and go because they're you know time limited usually and they can be diluted by a lot of more money rushing in because they'll say you know we're going to allocate 100 tokens per week and that's distributed among everyone who's in the vault so more money in the vault waters down your percentage of those tokens that you're getting right so you kind of need that's the idea of the vault is it's a group of strategies together that are intelligently allocated among those strategies in the same way like a big hedge fund will have little hedge funds and give 20% to each or give a certain amount to each um, and they're running different kind of strategies is that a good kind of analogy yeah exactly that's that's a great analogy and uh, um, I, I the, the thing that I really enjoy about DeFi especially as a uh, I'd say a computer science background person so, um, and I'm not sure if that's a, like a personal experience of mine or if it's shared, but like as a uh, engineer, it's, it's sometimes really hard to understand financial people because they just talk about stuff uh, like in, in a different way. They just view the world differently. So, uh, and the same thing, uh, you know, happens to normal people with nerds, you know, it's, hmm. it's just that there's a divide and you have to bring some context, uh, try to find some uh, common ground to, to make sure that uh, people can actually understand what you're trying to do or trying to say. Uh, you know the joke goes that uh, uh, for for physicists or rocket scientists, you basically need a uh, you need a bachelor just to understand how smart they are, hmm. right? And so sometimes there's that divide. And for from my experience, it has been really interesting because uh, I fundamentally I'm learning uh, uh, economy and uh, uh, business intelligence and, and these topics uh, uh, through uh, experimenting with them. And so if you were to to uh, extend this edge fund analogy, we are at the point where the market is so inefficient that you literally see free money uh, uh, out the window. That's literally the analogy with the, the free coupons and the uh, uh, liquidity incentives. That's the point we're at. Well, the hedge funds are doing uh, uh, risk-based arbitrages that are based on future projections, which is something that uh, if we were to do now, um, it, would basically, it basically would be like a, a massive, uh, massively more complicated uh, set of steps. So I see us as, as like a beginning to get to that point. Uh, and the beauty of our space is that on one end, we can emulate every advancement that has been done. You know, the Flash Boys uh, uh, doing uh, arbitrages based on future value, doing projections, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, because we are building on new primitives, we can actually have, uh, you know, self-repaying loans, which is something that doesn't exist in, in, in CFI. And so fundamentally, for every new uh, innovation that comes from just bridging it from uh, CFI, 
we also have these new types of ideas that are absolutely uh, they come from 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 here. They're they're completely uh, DeFi native, and they will be impossible to do on a centralized finance uh, system. And that 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 goes back to the beauty of this space. It's that uh, there's the old, which is every year you'll see more of the old coming along, but every year you're also gonna see some of the new, which is completely unexpected and completely. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's going to surprise you every time. Cool. And this is kind of like a, a bigger picture economics question, because I know, you know, you're in the market every day looking for these arbitrage opportunities, these distortions that you can build strategies for. And one thing that you realize pretty quickly, you know, looking at a lot of different DeFi protocols is that there's a huge difference in the yields that are on offer for stable coins, so like a dollar peg stable coin or euro peg stable coin, um, yeah, compared to something like BTC or WBTC or other um, ETH, things like that. Like, I, you know, I would say it's it's pretty easy to get returns of like 10, 15, 20% on stable coins. And for something like BTC and ETH, you know, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five percent yields. So what what is it about the market that makes it harder to get the high yields on things like BTC and ETH? That's that's a really uh, uh, like a complex question, and so I can give you a few a few ideas uh, to to reach to your own conclusions. I think uh, it's very hard to to say, but uh, the, the 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 most basic uh, answer is has to deal with uh, use cases and utility and flexibility, and that's uh, that actually goes into some controversial ground where you know they say that uh, Dai is backed sixty percent, if I'm not mistaken, by USDC. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, some of these new primitives that we have in DeFi are the creation of stable coins that are over collateralized, and it's something. There's something really powerful and, and in a way beautiful about having a system where we all agree to throw some money behind a wall, a smart contract, and uh, in exchange for that agreement of you know maintaining our health uh, factor above one, we are going to get back a stable coin that is you know a real stable coin because it's overly backed it's not diluted it's not uh, you know 10 times there's not 10 times more of the money than the value underlying so there's something be- uh, beautiful uh, in there uh, but th- that also shows you the flexibility because if i risk getting liquidated uh, on maker uh, by putting some bi- my bitcoin and my bitcoin has a drawdown potential of let's say 50 percent uh, and i think uh, during the bear market it even did 75 percent uh, even this year uh, so uh, you you can imagine the added complexity and the added risk of just losing your collateral, you know, to to basically squeeze out some uh, percentage. And that goes back to the idea that we are in in an imbalanced and an imperfect market. It's definitely not perfect, because um, as long as you have these uh, moderate side allocations, you're gonna be able to find a great yield. And so the specifics of why. Uh, Fundamentally, stables are going, are beating uh, the, uh, the the uh, the native assets such as ETH or or BTC. I would say is mostly because they are more more flexible and simpler to use with lower risk. And so, uh, every protocol that is bootstrapping liquidity will try to bootstrap those assets compared to something that is more volatile. Uh, so fundamentally, uh, I guess you can view it. Uh, you can also view it the opposite way. 
But fundamentally, today you will want to use your dollars to gain more ETH. You wouldn't necessarily use your ETH to gain more dollars. You would just want to stay in ETH. So the, the and you see that with the six million plus staked in uh, in ETH two, where uh, you know the 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 demand for for staking is so big compared to the amount of options that you have that uh, you basically get over allocated in, in these native assets. So I would say it's just the, the again the the nature of the uh, the market and the technology where it's so early that uh, it just takes uh, a couple of uh, uh, big whales to basically uh, dry out the yield, especially for the native assets. So I want to go back to the WBTC vault and. You know, the cool thing, like we talked about, is that there are can be multiple different strategies going on under the hood. And I want to point people towards a cool site um, called yearn.watch. So the WBTC vault is a managed by yearn. And then uh, on top of that, there's a vault at Badger that if you're in the, the vault, you might as well go in the Badger vault because it gives you the everything from yearn plus additional Badger tokens on top to, to increase the yield even more. Um, so just so people are aware when we talk about the urine vault versus the, the Badger vault. Um, but the so if you go to urine.watch, you can see every, I think they have at least, I don't know, 20 or 30 vaults on here. And you can click through and see the exact mix of strategies that are going on in each vault. So I want to kind of get even deeper into the weeds here and look at the strategy mix that's going on in the Bitcoin vault and kind of explain, uh, it looks like there are nine different strategies that are allocated right now and go through the top. It looks like, you know, there are four that are dominant and then there's a handful of ones that are kind of like two, three, four, five percent um, under the hood there. So let's let's just start with, with some of these. Um, the biggest one, if you go and uh, and see the breakdown here is called Vesper WBTC. And it looks like about 35% of the funds are allocated to that strategy right now. And the yield of that is about 4% APY, if I'm reading that correctly. Um, so what, what does that strategy do? Yeah, and just to give more context into how to use the tool, if you go in the strategies tab, when you check the vault, you'll also see the debt ratio and the total debt. The debt ratio is the percentage of total uh, TVL that is allocated, while the total debt will be the amount in Bitcoin, in native asset that the strategy is currently using. And so uh, to answer your question with the Vesper uh, uh, WBTC strategy, there is a protocol called Vesper.finance, which currently is offering a one, around 1% earning rate on WBTC. And then they are incentivizing this yield with 3.89% uh, APY on their native Vesper token. And so if you sum those up, you basically end up getting almost 5% APY. And that has been a very consistent source of yield for the vault in the last uh, few months. And uh, uh, as such, it, it, it did get a pretty strong allocation. So that if we're going back to the initial kind of buckets, that would be just a straight yield farming play. So the vault deposits WBTC yes. and it gets Vesper tokens and then sells those in the. It then compounds the Vesper tokens to buy more WBTC. Uh, giving uh, continuous auto compounding of the WBTC and it then reinvests them into Vesper. 
So fundamentally, it's relying on uh, Vesper's own work to provide the native uh, underlying um, yield, which most likely they're getting from either uh, idle.finance or harvest.finance, which are, uh, you can go through the stack in a way. It's actually an interesting thought experiment. But if you go through the stack of all these yield farming protocol, you'll see that at the core, idle and harvest are uh, very common. And then above that, they also incentivize it for their Vesper token, which is the, the majority of the yield currently, 3.89% uh, APY. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm seeing, maybe even just changed since I looked at it earlier, what is the best place to look at the overall APY for that? Because I'm looking in the tab, the Vesper WBTC, and it says expected return 0.12. Is that 12% or is that... Expected is that return. Am I looking at the right Let place there? See. If you go under detail, um, details expected. I'm actually not seeing it. Maybe we're not on the same page. Let me make sure I send you the link. Uh, but fundamentally, you uh, the only real way to do this is through what are called reports. So you will go on the uh, single vault page, then you will go in the strategies, and then for each strategy, you will click on its name, and you can see the report for those strategies. And that allows you to um, uh, check the APR. In this case, the uh, so if you click on reports on the top, you'll see last four reports, average APR 4.65%. Uh, or in the case of the Vesper strat, uh, you should see 3.73% uh, with a median APR of 3.82. And if you open each report, you can see uh, the math that is being done. I do believe there are some quirks with this math, so don't take it at face value. There, uh, you know, do your own research, do your own math. Uh, but fundamentally, what it's doing is it's calculating the time between the last uh, harvest, the last report, and uh, calculating the profit during that time to give a, a projection of the APR. Because uh, obviously these are done over uh, X amount of days or hours. Uh, while we're trying to uh, get a quote for something that will happen over a year with the APR. Got it. And do you have any um, expectation of how long this vault will stay good for? Like how long their yield farming uh, program is or, or what the future outlook is? Yeah, to, to be frank with the specific of Vesper, I'm not sure when their uh, yield farming uh, uh, is going to end. So I would assume that until that ends, uh, this this is going to be one of the most dominant strategies, uh, just because of uh, how juicy the token uh, emissions are. So uh, the 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 second that those ends, uh, the 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 yield that yield source is going to end, as you can see, because the native APY is uh, just one percent, while the um, uh, boosted APY is uh, almost five uh, percent. Got it. So it, it is, uh, uh, and that and that's kind of the thing with uh, yield farming in general is you fundamentally want to find these uh, uh, emissions opportunities, because again, going back to the fact that uh, the space is so young, the use the use cases, the usage of borrowing, especially for WBTC, especially if you go and compound on Ave, you'll see that it's uh, typically over five times more deposited asset than borrowed. So the demand for borrowing is way smaller than the demand for just getting that interest rate, right? Which means that in terms of uh, sophisticated products, uh, we're just not there yet. There's not enough sophisticated products. You know, there's a few options protocols. There's some, uh, um, some leverage farming you can do, 
maybe you can provide liquidity with a, a dollar pair and you can do some uh, very sophisticated strategy but fundamentally beside those uh it's mostly about uh native uh aprs through uh borrowing and lending which again as i said it's uh, uh the minority and then the majority will be uh, incentivized emissions yeah so that goes back to like the question of where the yield, the why btc is to low yield there's just a lot of people who want to supply their bitcoin to be lent out in a safe over over uh, collateralized way and not a ton of people that want to borrow that yeah, and also the trust in the asset is very high. Again, one out of eight uh, TVL is uh, uh, in Bitcoin, it's WBTC. So there's a lot of trust in the asset and uh, uh, people just want to park it uh, uh, wherever they can. So uh, fundamentally, that's uh, the, the current state of, uh, of the network. Cool. So let's then go to the next strategy. Um, so. 17% of the funds in the vault are in the single-sided CRV uh, WBTC strategy. And that looks like the APR on that is about 3.94%. Uh, so what what's going on there? Yeah, and this is actually, um, this fundamentally is a strategy that provides liquidity to the WBTC, RAMBTC curve pool. And it uses that curve token or the, the, the curve LP token, uh, and it then provides it on uh, convex to earn uh, the convex rewards, which are uh, boosted by convex and uh, incentivized by their token as well. So again, it's uh, fundamentally uh, uh, a, a curve and convex farming strategy uh, that provides liquidity to the curve protocol. And then it also uses convex for the additional boost. Okay, so maybe that's even a third bucket, like we talked about borrowing and lending. So the and then we talked about yield farming, and so then there's this third activity that can produce yield, which is providing liquidity. So the idea there is, Curve has this big pool of REN BTC and WBTC, and those are both considered very safe because they're trusted audit, audited protocols, and they're you know you can see that they have the BTC in reserve that's backing up the Ren and WBTC that they're issuing. So what Curve does is puts those together in a pool and lets people swap in between them, right? In exchange for doing that, they get yeah. some some of the fees that are taken to do those swaps. Is that is that a high level uh, understanding of what's going on there? Yeah, that's that's actually a great uh, insight. Uh, um... Yeah, fundamentally, the this this would be the third uh, uh, way to uh, pr uh, to gain uh, yield is uh, providing liquidity. Uh, uh, historically, or uh, if you search into the, the various opportunities, uh, uh, especially on mainnet, you'll see that you incur the risk of impermanent loss, which is the idea that you have two assets and uh, one of the two assets uh, goes up in value, but the more it goes up in value, the less of it you have and the more of the lower uh, value asset you end up getting due to the fact that people want to buy the, the asset that has the higher value and you're providing liquidity um, so the, there is a quote-unquote risk there and that's why they they are uh, a little more generally more risky strategies but in the case of uh, a stable pool which will be a, a curve pool uh, of assets that are basically pegged to each other or really close tied uh, to each other uh, and especially when they're so liquid such as WBTC and RAMBTC you fundamentally uh, can uh, ignore the uh, slippage risk the risk of 
having too much REM BTC and having to swap back into WBTC, hence having to lose a little bit of that WBTC. And instead you can focus exclusively on the farming of the rewards as well as the uh, APY for, uh, is, uh, for providing the liquidity for the swaps, which uh, uh, based again on, on the usage on mainnet uh, um, typically uh, provides a, a boosted uh, APY as well. Um, next one on the list, you have uh, generic Lev Comp Farm. So I guess that's, is that compound finance? It looks like there's... Um, six, yeah, this is uh, the original. Uh, I would say that, uh, yeah, if you if you search Yaron's uh, uh, history, uh, you'll, you'll see um, a, a, a author. It's called Arbing Sam. And you can find him on Twitter, Arbing Sam. And uh, you'll see that that's basically his baby. And it's the idea of doing leveraged farming of compound. And that's because if you go on, on the compound of finance website, you'll see that depositing will yield some reward and then borrowing will actually still yield some reward. You're going to pay, let's say, 5% APY to borrow, but you're going to get back a 7% APR on the rewards. And so uh, through that difference, you end up being incentivized to uh, leverage, lever up and borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow. And fundamentally, that allows you to farm the compound token. And uh, I do believe that that's one of the strongest uh, yielding strategies on mainnet. Um, off the top of my head, I would say uh, it should be around 6% APY. It looks like I'm on the report page. It says 4.65 average and median about 5%. But yeah, that's definitely higher than some of the others, yeah. right? Yeah. Cool. And then the last one uh, at 9% levered Ave WBTC. So that's similar to the compound. It's it's doing leverage farming on Ave. Yeah, this is basically our latest uh, Badger strat that we added to the vault. And fundamentally, this is doing a similar thing. Uh, the main challenge in uh, using uh, um, the Aave uh, as a, a uh, basically farming the Aave token is that uh, the rewards are paid out in staked Aave. However, uh, we found a way, and I guess uh, you know, leak, uh, Alpha Leak is that uh, uh, Uniswap V3 allows you to have uh, basically stable pools as well, or at least really. Uh, tightly closed assets. And so that allows us to have, even with very little liquidity, we can have a staked Aave to Aave pool, which allows us to then harvest the rewards in a very efficient way, instead of having to wait the 10 day cooldown on uh, staked Aave. And that's why the, the strat actually made it because it provides a strong baseline APY, I believe uh, 4% with low assets and something like 3.6% with uh, uh, the, the current uh, amount, which is 9% total debt. Uh, and uh, uh, it fundamentally um, provides it as a baseline so that every other strat that is a little higher APY but uh, uh, is, uh, uh, couldn't be expanded because, again, you're, you're capped, uh, especially on curve or on uh, uh, compound, you end up being capped. Uh, that, that actually enabled the, the strategy, uh, sorry, enabled the vault to get to a point where all of the strategies were uh, pretty... Uh, uh, pretty good in terms of APY instead of having some strategies that weren't performing at all. Hmm. And so if you go through the rest of the vault, I don't want to go through all of them, but there's five more. Um, and it just struck me that those five have just tend to have lower APYs, like in the one to 2% range than the four and 5% range, um, like the, the heavier ones. So why include these little, uh, little ones at all if they're just kind of watering down the the higher return strategies 
Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's kind of the the challenge with the WBTC vault is that um, you know uh, let's let's give you a very simple example. Let's say you have ten thousand uh, dollars, especially on Polygon. Let's say you're on Polygon, you have ten thousand dollars. You're just gonna yolo them into one protocol, right? Let's say you're gonna go on uh, on Iron of Finance V2. <laughs> You're just gonna yellow them, right? Because your your allocation is uh, small compared to the TVL of the protocol, which uh, you know during a, before its collapse it was over a billion dollar in TVL. So uh, unless you had a, a billion dollar to put in, you were not going to dilute the APR. However, when you have a uh, hundred million plus uh, dollars of Bitcoin, uh, you just can't put them in one place, right? And so, uh, but you also want to. Uh, uh, have uh, a few strategies that are highly liquid so that people can withdraw without incurring slippage. And typically the leverage strategies either require higher gas because you have to unwind your position, repay the debt, take a flash loan, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and perhaps they, they don't want to be uh, touched. Like if you touch the leverage, uh, levered position, you, you have to rebuild it again. It's a waste of gas, waste of money, etc. So it's not particularly liquid as a strat. So by having these smaller strategies, you can still provide some base APY better than zero. And at the same time, they're high, um, they're more liquid, which means that it's easier also to uh, keep withdrawals cheap, especially for uh, for the average user. So those are the, 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 the goals. And then you have the problem that, again, if you put everything on compound, which would be, you know, the, the first intuition, the naive intuition is put everything on Vesper or everything on compound. Well, the APY is going to go to zero if you put everything on compound. So you can't do that. Cool. So let's, I mean, I think this kind of segues into the next question. And uh, like, I'd love to, to hear more about all of the considerations that go into deciding this mix. Because I know that, you know, someone like you, if you come up with a new strategy um, and write it in Solidity and deploy it and it tests and is good, then you get a reward fee as part of that, right? So like there's all these different strategists and they all want to, to get their reward fee. Um, and then you have these additional considerations like liquidity, how qu quickly can you get out and APY and, um, and you know, not wanting to dilute the pools yeah. uh, if you put too much in. So how, how do you kind of balance all those competing, um, competing interests in the strategy and who, how, how does that process work? Like, is there a, committee or is it a smart yeah. contract or what yeah that's that's a great question it's very nuanced uh, i'd like to say in in the in terms of badger dao that uh, um, at least uh, the core team which i'm part of um, have voiced the fact that they're not uh, particularly uh, they don't believe the uh, strategies incentives to be uh, aligned with uh, the future of the the dao or the protocol so uh, as badger dao uh, I believe that we will move away from it. And personally, as an individual, I actually like the strategies incentive. I think it rewards people for trying really hard. So I think it's great. But as a, a DAO from conversation, uh, I believe that uh, the DAO doesn't really enjoy that because it, it just creates a negative, toxic environment where everybody competes for themselves, right? Because I don't want you in the in the vault because I'm gonna lose my incentives, so uh, it it uh, it I guess it's nuanced on that point. Uh, from my point of view, though, uh, the simplest uh, north star is just uh, what is the highest APY and what is the simplest way to achieve it with the lowest risk. That's the 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 thing we we at least I 
think we should uh, i i optimize for that because uh you know you don't want to be like you could uh, we could do some crazy leverage strategy for for like a couple million dollars uh of uh, of uh, tvl but fundamentally we wouldn't be sleeping at night we would need to have bots uh, we re- the, the the gas cost to maintain it will probably be higher than the the, the even the returns so uh you you basically have to do some sort of sanity check on that and then to give you i guess another alpha leak in terms of how you would actually do it uh there are um sophisticated not even that sophisticated there are bachelor level um uh, linear mathematics uh, toolings that we we're building that allows us to uh mathematically prove uh, what is the optimal allocation hmm. so fundamentally in a year from now uh, the allocation is not going to be a human process. It's going to be a purely mathematical process. You just run the math. That's the allocation. Uh, put it on a smart contract or on an Oracle. You're done. So that's something that will happen. And uh, going with the metaphor of the edge fund, we're at a point where you don't need that, right? If you want to launch your own uh, protocol or your own uh, vaults or even manage uh, the vaults in general, uh, there typically is a winning strategy, and most uh, vaults don't have this, uh, you know, hundred million plus uh, TVL. So they're way easier to manage, and you just have the dominant strategy and the backup strategy. Typically, the dominant strategy is a little less liquid, and then the backup strategy is more liquid. Something like depositing on Compound or Aave, uh, so that it's easy to withdraw and you have no slippage. Uh, but when when you start getting into nine strategies, uh, again, guiding light is going to be what is the highest APY uh, you humanly can achieve, and then at the same time, uh, the allocation is purely a mathematical process. But so so right now, it's kind of just a committee that talks through and tries to to balance these things. But eventually, it will be yeah. a mathematical okay. uh, process. Yeah. Well, to be to be fair, I guess uh, you're you're hinting at the other side of the conversation, which is how does a strategy even get in the vault, and that is by committee and it's done basically by by white hats. You're gonna have a committee of, um, in the case of Yearn, they call it the Safe Farming Committee. They have a due diligence uh, document that you have to fill. Uh, they will go through, you know, finding who the multi-sig owners are, uh, uh, whether the contracts are upgradable, uh, what is the uh, the the um, uh, are there any audits where where all the things uh, uh, in the audit actually all the recommendation where they implemented uh, or uh, is the new code completely unaudited even though they have audits all that kind of stuff badger has a similar uh, type of committee it's called the um, security board every strategy we write goes for the security board uh, before we ever put it on the experimental zone and uh, uh, if you're a badger you know that we do go through experimental zone and then guarded launch and then public launch. So we also have extra layers of checks. But in terms of the WBTC vault, this, uh, a, a strategy will never go through unless it passes the safe farming committee, which uh, uh, is managed by Yearn and it's over 30 people, so over 30 advisors. And then in terms of the flow that, it, uh, that the strategy has to go through in order to actually get in the vault, it has to be published on mainnet. It has to go through four different people that will do uh, their own review. And as the strategist, you have to uh, basically uh, do whatever, do whatever the four uh, the four strategists believe is right for the strategy to be uh, still uh, secure and safe. And so that is a very um, tiring process, a very tough process to go through. And uh, but once you do, um, uh, the strategy can go live, you know, and manage a, a very noticeable amount of funds. Yeah. And so when you're when you're looking at this, is there any kind of thinking about 
are you making kind of like a risk score? And if it's, a, you know, riskier than a certain arbitrary number, then you don't do it? Mm. Or is it just kind of like pass fail for everything? Or I would say that um, it's really hard to, to come up with this risk score. I, I like the idea. I know, um, I think Arari, Idol, uh, they have done it. I don't believe you can really do a, a safe score. I think there are some um, uh, trademarks uh, of uh, insane risk. Uh, and when you see those, those are red flags and you just never work, uh, you're not going to uh, engage with that protocol. While uh, for the more nuanced stuff, uh, I think it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just, I guess, by feel or by uh, talking to the other DAO. Uh, so it's, a, it's just a really nuanced uh, scenario. I can't come up with a, like a generic uh, answer. I don't think uh, you can have a score though. I think... Uh, you know, if they have, let's say they have an EOA, which means they use MetaMask to deploy their smart contracts and to manage them, you're never going to work with a protocol because it's unsafe, right? Mm. It gets, one account gets hacked, you know, sleepy developer, you lose all the money, right? That's what, it happens every week on, in DeFi. So uh, those are red flags. Um, and uh, those those make mean that it's, uh, uh, you're never going to work uh, until they, they fix that. Uh, while some more nuanced stuff, such as the upgradability, uh, that typically depends uh, on uh, how long the contracts weren't upgraded for. And maybe you're going to talk to them and see whether they have plans to upgrade or not, that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it becomes really nuanced. And uh, um, I don't think there is a, a general answer to that. Although I would say that when you are doing due diligence, you will always just search for the, the nasty stuff. Because as soon as you find the nasty stuff, you're done. You're not going to work. So fundamentally, that's kind of the, the, the optic. You're trying to invalidate your idea uh, and you're trying to verify that the protocol is unsafe because if you fail to do so and if enough people fail to to say that it's unsafe then you have enough certainty and uh you know it's it's an unfalsifiable statement but that's the best we got for now i love this idea about red flags and i'm wondering if we can just go go deeper on that like if you have any other ideas i mean I, i'm you know i'm not a coder i, yeah. I don't uh i don't write solidity so I can't kind of like audit code of stuff but you know I know there are a lot of people listening who are like me and are you know yield farm pops up on vfat and they want to kind of quickly yeah. check it out so like are there any other red flags that a non-technical person when when a new farm comes up or a new protocol that that they can like kind of scan through and see what would make you uh turn and yeah. run as fast as you can the other way Absolutely. I, I love uh, this question. And uh, uh, I'd say that uh, uh, I, I've been, uh, I'm a student of the community as well. So, you know, if something goes on VFAT, then you probably also want to check ragdoc.io. And uh, perhaps you also want to check uh, Taki, Farmer Taki. I know he's been growing his channel by quite a lot uh, recently. Uh, but fundamentally, these people are trying to uh, inform. Uh, from my point of view, my experience comes from doing uh, uh, auditing contests and from having to do due diligence both for Yearn and for um, Badger through the, the, the WBTC vault, as well as internally for Badger for other protocols as well. So uh, the red flags are typically either if there is one source of failure or if there is either confusion or an attempt to obfuscate. And I'll give you examples on this one because it's a little nuanced. And uh, the, the other thing is just uh, fundamentally you're, you're looking for a way to get a rug pulled. Like uh, again, the, the mentality when you want to be safe about this stuff is how do they hack me? You want to be aggressive about finding a way to get hacked, to hack the protocol or to basically to, to lose your money because uh, 
you, you want to get into that mindset because that's how you find the vulnerability where if you're trying to defend against it instead of uh, attacking it uh, you may hold yourself back and you're not going to really think about all the creative ways to to hack uh, so in terms of obscure so the, the biggest red flag is eoa do they have a metamask and so basically you're going to go and search for the keyword either governor or owner on the smart contract on either mm -hmm. scan and if governor or owner links to an EOA, which means that you don't see it as a contract, but you see it as a normal uh, MetaMask account, one of those that has you know balances for Ether and balances for ERC-20, mm -hmm. that's a big red flag because it means that their contract is owned by one person, okay? And one person, we have proof, we've seen it so many times, they can get hacked, they can get sleepy, they can lose their keys, they can commit them to GitHub, they can make a dumb mistake and it happens. And so you, you cannot trust that. It's just, it's an immediate red flag. It's a shown of incompetence at the maximum level in terms of security. So you're not gonna tolerate that. The next step will be uh, obfuscation. So let's say you're farming something with, uh, they use as MasterChef, right? MasterChef V2 from uh, Sushi. Uh, if you've been in the space, you're familiar with it. At least, you should be at least familiar with it. You know, there's, uh, um, I think, withdraw funds, uh, uh, emergency withdraw. And there's the withdraw and then there's harvest and then there's deposit like oh, these functions right here so if you see something that is too different from the master chef while it being uh, copy pasted from master chef mm. that may be an attempt to use something familiar to deceive you and i've seen that being done with like a underscore token instead of token for the name of the asset and that's something that it's really hard to notice but once you see a developer that does that it's again a red flag because you're like either they're again incompetent and they just put random names without thinking about it or they wrote it in a way that is purposely trying to deceive you so that you know if you if you don't pay attention you you don't notice and again that you get deceived so those two to me are, are the biggest ones and then um i think uh, uh it fundamentally um uh, i guess the last point is probably uh hype versus uh value uh, you know, if you if you want to be uh, making insane gains, you you do want to go for these momentum plays and just find you know the hypest project uh, before it goes on the wave. But typically, the hypest project is also the one with the least fundamentals, and you can go on their GitHub and see that they have you know copy pasted the contract that was copied without tests, without anything. It's just a, uh, a copy paste basically. There's nothing wrong with it, but you know there's nothing new about it. And so uh, if uh, um, if a project is only goal is just to grow without having any fundamental tech, that may also be a sign. Uh, and it may also be a sign that they have good marketing. So again, it's nuanced, but it may also be a sign that they're just uh, uh, trying to get as much TVL as possible before rug pulling. And so you you really want to be mindful of that. Yeah, as that's well. something I've I've really noticed, like especially on you know these newer projects that come up on VFAT or whatever. Like if they call themselves just we're the new yield farm or like this project is a great yield farm where it's just like not even trying to do anything, not even like pretending that they have a business or some kind of like, in, you know, innovative thing yeah. that they're doing. And the, the whole process is just to be a farm. That's to me a huge red flag. Yeah, yeah I agree. And uh, uh, I, I really like, um, there's, I don't remember the name, but there's a YouTube channel that talks about the history of dark web uh, stores, uh, dark, uh, hmm. dark net, uh, but basically, you know, the, the Silk Road, yeah. uh, uh, I think one is called Empire Market, something mm -hmm. like that. 
But fundamentally, the history of these dark net uh, stores is very similar to the story of these uh, anonymous yield farms, Ponzi farms that offer, you know, 10,000 X APY, stuff like that. Because uh, one day or another, the, the risk they're incurring in, in offering these random products without any thought, without uh, literally any plan, uh, becomes so high that their only option is basically to rug pool uh, because otherwise they even lost their, their time, you know. So um, you, you really want to be mindful of that, of just uh, uh, the incentives in general. Um, is uh, Unless you're finding like people that are really in it for the tech, which is a meme, but the people that are in it for the tech, they're trying to, um, to build something that uh, is new, while uh, the people that are in it for the, the rug pull or the money, um, they'll, 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 they're not gonna compensate that. And uh, you know, it would be deceiving for me to say that uh, if, if, you know, if I was doing this for free, I would be doing it. I probably wouldn't. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be an hypocrite, but um, uh, I think I think you need to find a team that has a passion for something more. And in the case of Badger, I think the biggest passion is like like really helping uh, people learn and people engaged. And something I really enjoyed was um, we did an art bounty. I think there was like 70 submissions, something like really engaging. So I think uh, that's something that we should do even more. And uh, I like the fact that everybody at the DAO is uh, wants to do more of that. So I think those are great signs, you know, engaging the community and trying to um, um, uh, keep keep that community alive and bring some added value to it. And that's why the the, 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 the token uh, be- becomes valuable is because it's part of a tribe and, uh, you know, a tribe that is trying to do something cool. Yeah, yeah. And going back to like red flags, I would say that's another very quick way that you can find out about a project. Just join their discord and if it's full of people saying, you know, when moon, sir, or whatever, you know, if you instantly get <laughs> 15 scam messages and it's, you know, no one, uh, no one is uh, having like a high level discussion then. Yeah. And I also would say that uh, there's like templates at this point, you know, the goose.finance uh, um, uh, template that was used both on BSC and Polygon. Uh, if anything, it taught me about the, the in a way, the, the futureless uh, uh, destiny of uh, the pure um, uh, uh, the protocol token that, you know, without any value, the protocol token is basically just a Ponzi scheme where, uh, you know, it's musical chairs. And that's what happens that, you know, it goes to whatever value uh, it gets because of hype. And then it goes to zero. And you've seen it, you know, to name a few, Iron of Finance, you're going to see it maybe with DinoSwap. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe they're going to do great. You may see with Badger if we fail, you know, to be fair, it's something that can happen if you uh, if you don't have enough value to back it up uh, or new, enough innovation uh, or growth to, to back it up. Uh, but fundamentally, you see it a lot with the, the, the Ponzi farm, the one that promises a lot of returns uh, w- without doing anything new. And that's uh, that's basically the, they called it the third generation uh, uh, yield farm. The third mm-hmm. generation yield farm is the pure Ponzi. Uh, <laughs> I would say that the uh, the DeFi um, the DeFi uh, yield farm instead is a protocol that is trying to bootstrap liquidity to do something that either is uh, new to the space and it may be brought from CeFi, so it may not be new to the world, but it's still new to uh, Ethereum, or they're literally trying to do something completely new that just can't be done on uh, a traditional uh, in traditional CeFi. Mm. Um, Alex, this has been super helpful. I really appreciate your time. I just have like 
two more questions and I'll let you go. Um, so this is, you know, if you're if you're talking to someone, maybe they're just getting into DeFi, maybe they know a little code, maybe they were you before getting into DeFi, right? They know another language and mm -hmm. they're looking at uh, learning Solidity um, and they see that there are opportunities to be very well paid by being a strategist, not just yield farming for yourself, but uh, working with someone like Badger or Yearn to create these really professional yield farming products. Um, what would you what would you tell them? Is it is the coding side more important, or is the just understanding DeFi and finding new farms and new strategies quickly more important? Or how, what what advice would you give someone like that? Yeah, well, from my experience, it's very easy to find. Uh, no, it's very easy to tell people what to do if you are doing the thinking. Uh, but it's very hard to find people that want to do the thinking for you. So if you want these, these, to, to get this opportunity, and you can literally go to any protocol today, uh, but if you want to get those, that opportunity, you just want to show that you're willing to put in the, the work, as in you're willing to do the, go through the effort of figuring it, the, the thing out. Uh, the specific of coding versus not coding, uh, I think coding uh, forces you to do the, the thinking. So it's a, a good idea to structure the work. Hmm. Uh, but in, in reality, you, you can do this without coding either. Because uh, fundamentally, if you can convey a strategy, you know, let's say you do a, a Google Doc uh, where you go through every transaction, you take a screenshot of all the protocol, and then you uh, figure out how the contract works, uh, or at least uh, you figure out the basics by looking at the Etherscan transactions, and then you can explain it to somebody. That's already a big enough contribution to, to help. Uh, and then it really depends what, what you want to get out of the uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, DeFi. In terms of doing it, in, if you want a, a reroll, if you, let's say you're a developer and you want a reroll, uh, I haven't seen a space uh, where it's so easy to reroll uh, because uh, of uh, uh, multiple reasons. One, there's not enough developers in general. Two, there's uh, a lot of money to be had. And free, uh, everything is open source. You can literally, the best in the world, you can just literally just, you don't have to steal their work, but you can read all of their work and figure out what they did. So you can teach yourself. And as long as you're willing to teach yourself, as in literally go and read the code of the people that came before you, uh, you're going to, like, there's no obstacle. It's just a matter of doing it. So I think it's the best space to, to do that. And in terms of incentives, there's a, a you know there's immunify and the code arena where you can be paid to find vulnerabilities, and then there's Gitcoin and uh, if global uh, that do hackathons basically every month or every two months. Uh, so as long as you go through those, uh, you will have uh, immense rewards. Let's say even five to ten k uh, potentially a month, even if some some people on code arena even a week uh, to learn. And then uh, you you can also just uh, through the, doing the hackathons you you will land a job because you're building a portfolio. So I think the opportunity is incredible, and I highly recommend. Uh, even if you're remotely interested, you should try, at least give it a try. Yeah, and I I mean some of my experience is in building websites, and just you know over the last ten years you see that you know it goes from you have to be, know HTML and CSS and and do a ton of work and maybe even host it yourself to something like, you know, WordPress or Wix where you yeah, just, Heroku. yeah, where you just don't really need to, to get into the details. And there are all these kind of uh, tools that take it to a higher level. Do you think 
those mm -hmm. same things are going to happen in DeFi to, to where someone can just kind of like use a graphical yeah. interface to make a new strategy or, or is that where this is going? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, uh, I honestly, I'm just limited by time. And uh, I'd say that we're at a point, uh, um, and I, I've been coding maybe for, for eight years straight, uh, so uh, like professionally. So I can assure you that the first five years, uh, I remember having to write one line of code and seeing if it compiles and it works, right? Th that was the idea. You write one line. If you write two lines, then there's a mistake. Now you have to debug two lines. So it's too much. You, you may as well just write one line at a time. Mm -hmm. I think the tooling in Ethereum is so uh, uh, at this early stage in terms of how sophisticated it can get, how abstracted away it could get, that uh, you basically have to do that uh, in general. You have to write one line of code and see if it works because it really is uh, uh, very painful to make a mistake because now you have to debug a trace uh, of contracts that have all these weird hexadecimals and you have to f literally follow the, the red uh, rabbit down all these error messages and it's really confusing. Um, so it is uh, uh, very unintuitive. Nobody will help you. And I think at the preface you said uh, there's few people teaching because in this space there is an incentive not to teach because uh, you're basically leaking alpha and leaking alpha means you're, you know, you're breaking your own bags. So uh, there's uh, basically there's no incentives there, but at the same time the, there's such a demand for developers that uh, uh, on the other end people are are looking for for you basically if you want to reroll. So um, uh, to to answer more directly, yes, there will be visual tools that allow you to write the strategy. Most likely there will even be as soon as we have some better GPT free uh, AI access, we're gonna basically just say on harvest go on a curve take the curve token and stake it or something like mm -hmm. that and the bot and there will be an ai writing that for you. you 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 just have to find the opportunity and um think about how that works yeah wow and that's that's interesting like for someone you talked about the people that are out there teaching i've seen some courses there's the zombie course or uh some youtube channels like yours and there are, there are a few others out there do you have a course or somewhere that you would recommend someone to go if they want to start doing Solidity now? I, I honestly, okay, the, the, all, the, the good resources that I found are from Austin Griffith. So you want to check him out 100%. And then there's Patrick at uh, Chainlink. Um, uh, so and I think it's called Alpha Chain on YouTube. You definitely want to check those out. Those are most likely the best resources you'll find because every other resource that is not actually working with DAOs is just not real. Like they can teach you, you know, the Fleshbot arbitrage script, but it's it's not the, 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 the MEV guys are laughing at you, okay? Hmm. They're not, it's not the real one. Uh, while um, the, uh, to, to really learn, you wanna do the hackathons, especially if global or Gitcoin, because again, you're talking directly to the DAOs and the protocols. So uh, the, the closer you can get to those, like the closer you can get to basically reading Uniswap V2, Aave, Compound, Yearn V1 and Yearn V2, or, and even Badger, which, you know, set V3 is based on Yearn V1. So we, we, we basically took inspiration, we just, we, we used it. So the, the closer you can get to that source, the better. So I highly recommend, I think in a month from now, there will be, now, right now, there's going to be the ETH Global Hackathon. And in a month from now, there's going to be Gitcoin Round 11. If you're seriously interested in um, in working at the, in DeFi, you have to participate on Gitcoin Round 11, 100%.
And if you have the time this summer, you should check out the Global Hackathon as well, 100%. Because you're getting paid $2,000, $3,000 to learn. I, I can't imagine a better opportunity, you know? It's literally, you, you never find it anywhere else. That's, it's crazy, like, you know, there's this thing like ETH is a dark forest, you know, for all your transactions that you're submitting on Uniswap, there's like bots that are trying to front run you. But like, it sounds like you're saying that like, Solidity training can be a dark forest too, and there's people that are kind of like putting out shit information that's like not not the good stuff, and yeah. you need to go go directly say, to the DAOs and get the good stuff. Yeah, more so than did uh, more so than uh, uh, you know uh, dunk on the um, uh, I guess uh, small entrepreneurs, which you know they're still doing their their part, so it's 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 a good thing. It's better than nothing, you know. Like I I also lo- like launch a Udemy course, so you know you can label me bad as well. It's fine. But uh, I think uh, uh, that uh, um, if you go on Twitter and you just start stalking uh, the right people, basically, you know, a few names, maybe MEV Intern, MEV Alpha Leak, everybody at Flashbots, you can stalk me as well. Um, and then you can stalk Andre Cronje, Banteg. Uh, uh, um, and if you ever find Arbing Sam, that's probably the guy you, you actually want to stalk because he came up with most uh, of the interesting strategies at Yearn as well. Uh, so basically, if you just pay close attention, the opportunity is literally in front of you. It's just that nobody will ever tell you to do it. You know, I'm not even I. I'm not gonna tell you to do it. But if you if you ask me what you should do, I'll tell you. You know, it's like uh, the motivation has to come from you. But the opportunity is here. There's no other place with such opportunity. Mm. Um, so last last question for you. What? What do you think the future looks like for, in particular, BTC farming? So I've seen mm. some new protocols that that come up that try to generate yield by selling options, which I mean, that's quite, yeah. you know, you're talking about like a riskless strategy. That's a quite risky strategy because if the market moves against you, you know, you're, you're screwed or, uh, you know, these highly leveraged strategies that just kind of compound like rug pull risk or other, other kinds of risk. So... What do you think like is the next frontier and will the yield start coming back up or do you think we're in kind of like a low yield situation for a long time? Yeah, this is an, an, a very interesting question and that it's the reason why I'm working at Badger DAO is because I, I, I love to figure that out and see what we can do. Uh, fundamentally, I think we are at the end of a paradigm. We're at the end of the Yearn V1 paradigm of the idea that you can have uh, uh, just farm the coupons, you know, farm the the, the governance tokens, and uh, you can uh, be good. I think that's uh, uh, just as the market grows, that's just not going to be uh, more realistic because this is literally an arbitrage. And again, arbitrage is the keyword, is an arbitrage or risk-free return where you're literally being paid just to hold the asset, right? That's not uh, uh, normal. Uh, 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 returns uh, are proportional to uh, risk, right? Uh, if you go and check uh, portfolio theory, that's basically the idea. The higher you can increase your returns if you increase your risk, as long as the market is efficient. I think we're getting to a point where the market will start to become more efficient. And as the market becomes more efficient, as yield farmers, in order to guarantee, uh, to guarantee, quote unquote, to to find again risk-free arbitrages, we're gonna have to change the way in which we do them. So the way to, to move uh, with that is, as you said, is with options. It's going to be with 
double-sided liquidity provision where you provide, for example, WBTC and USDC. And if you, uh, listener, if you have ideas on how to edge that, uh, we, we will hire you immediately. Hmm. Uh, but fundamentally, we, we will have to move toward using more sophisticated solutions to basically get the same returns because these more basic returns are uh, like, you can just code them on like a, a, a UI and I guess InstaDAP will be the idea. If InstaDAP can do it, then we have to do better than InstaDAP because InstaDAP is providing one uh, very safe uh, idea, let's say the leveraged of it for everybody. And uh, they take no fees, they take no cut, it's super easy. And so that's one side of the uh, future of uh, yield farming is that it's just gonna be a bunch of uh, open source strategies that everybody can use without any fees. And that was foretold at the beginning of Yearn. My opinion is instead that uh, strategists and the strategies uh, that we, we need to run will have to become more sophisticated with the time. One half comes from the uh, hedge fund playbook, just do you know quant stuff. And then the other side will come from DeFi magic, self-repaying loans, uh, magic leverage through quote unquote magic internal money and basically finding ways to uh, get that yield back through uh, more uh, creative solutions. Yeah, I mean, my take on that is I would love to, to be able as a user to see, and I think Jern may have done this, but I, I couldn't find it, just a risk score um, that is associated with each strategy because, you know, like I, I, I definitely think that you know, what we're doing in DeFi, there are risks, right? Like you open rect.com, there's hacks every day. There's there's all, all kinds of risks in the system. Yeah. And even if theoretically there's no risk, there could be a bug, there could be a human flaw, there could be an audit mistake or whatever, right? So there, there are all these risks. And uh, I don't see how that risk is a different risk than like writing options, right? Like there's someone that's guessing what's the you know safest highest yield you can get without risk of your options getting blown out like i i don't see those risks as like different yeah. because they're both gonna lose me money so i would love to be able to like <laughs> i i love the the quote yeah i would say that the main difference is that uh in order to to make money through options you have to and it's the same thing as uh, sports betting it's actually very interesting if you if you go on youtube you'll find some very interesting people that do sports betting uh, which is sports betting, uh, poker, and arbitrage is way closer to the yield farming state right now compared to uh, hedge funds and the complexity of uh, business intelligence and quants and stuff like that. But basically, like the way you would uh, uh, make profit from uh, uh, options is that your model is telling you that the implied volatility of the option is different from the mm -hmm. price that you're paying it for. So that would be a price arbitrage arbitrage based on a projection okay so there is uh, the risk that you made the wrong projection uh, but you could argue that that's how you get uh, uh, quote-unquote free returns that's how in theory edge funds will do it so uh, we, we are at a point where you don't have to do it now and um, we probably won't have to do it for a little longer but as everybody else starts to uh, learn and let's say you as uh, a um, sophisticated user non-technical uh, 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 entity, so non-developer, uh, still with sophistication because you still do your own research and do the entire thing, you will probably have tools that allow you to do all of the strats that we're doing today, maybe in a year or two from now, and build them for yourself 
100%. You're just going to manage your own bot and it's going to be like a visual UI, all, all slick and nice and all of that. But uh, so the, the challenge we will have as Badger and in our collaboration with Yearn will be to have strategies that are so much more sophisticated while still maintaining the same risk profile uh, to be able to uh, offer it that way. If, and if we can't do that, then we fundamentally will have to change paradigm and become something else. And obviously we'll have to deal with that uh, in, in, uh, once the time arrives. But for now, I think we have ways and uh, uh, just li uh, finding ways to hedge liquidity provision is basically the, the, the way to do that. And uh, another advancement that you see if you're following the space is just leverage uh, through um, collateralizing your interest assets. Uh, so, you know, imagine having uh, IBBTC, which already yields uh, interest and being able to lever up on IBBTC, which you, we will argue is a fairly safe investment. So th that kind of stuff is something that can be done uh, relatively in short time. And then uh, for the future, we will see whether we basically get automated away you know, my work gets automated away or whether I can keep my work uh, to be, uh, you know, the human side of the work where it's, uh, it can't be automated. Alex, the entrepreneur, thanks so much for your time today. This has been uh, an awesome conversation. Um, what What's the best place if people want to follow you or, or is it YouTube or Twitter? What's the best place for people to uh, connect with you? Yeah, I'd say you can uh, go on YouTube and search for Alex, the entrepreneur. And uh, uh, that that's probably the best spot. If you do want to stalk me on Twitter, you can Google uh, Alex the Entrepreneur Twitter and you should be able to find me. Although my usernames are all clunky. So it's also fine if you don't follow me because it's uh, uh, too much alpha leak. So <laughs> I'll be following you <laughs> if you make your steps in this space. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah, this has been fun. I mean, you know, we've both been doing stuff for Badger and this is the first time we actually chatted. So it's, it's awesome to meet you and, and thanks so much for your time today. Amazing. I really appreciate your time as well and you have an amazing one. All right, you too. Take care.